Welcome to Football Game Plans post-practice podcast powwow for the Senior Bowl. Day one, I'm joined with Chris James at CJ Florida 9 and Brandon Howard of Sports Talk Florida at BHoward underscore 81. Chris, South practice. We started there first. We didn't start with the North. South went first. Let's get your initial impressions from the South practice. My biggest takeaway is an impression. It was on the one-on-one battles that I saw from the receivers and the DBs. And one stood out because these two Louisiana kids really went at it. It was DJ Chark out of LSU and uh, Danny Johnson out of Southern. Those are the battles that you want to see, that you want to have. And uh, that's what really stood out to me. I, I liked how everyone went at it, but those two definitely seemed like they wanted to prove points to each other. Yeah, and it's interesting because you mentioned a guy like Danny Johnson. We talked to him prior to the practice about ball skills, man. And he always talked about ball skills. And I thought he gave a great interview, which will be up on our website later on, either tonight or early tomorrow morning on footballgameplan.com. But, Brandon, what were your what were some of your initial impre- impressions from that South practice? Uh, DJ Chark, uh, I did not know that he possessed the long speed that he has. Uh, he really showcased that on uh, some of the, the vertical routes that he had there. Um, but one thing that he showed that he needs a lot of improvement on is some of the intermediate stuff. So, um, you know, that I, I really was impressed with him as far as his athleticism was concerned. But um, there's a lot of things as far as his nuance as a, as a receiver that needs to be worked on and worked out. Uh, I like the receivers. Uh, you know, obviously we talked about James Washington earlier. He was able to, to climb over top of the DB, stack the DB there. And, um, you know, people talk about his size, but, um, you know, you're not going to be able to tell that, that guy is 5'10". You know, he's going to go up and he's going to go get it. Um, and it's refreshing to see uh, his teammate uh, at Oklahoma State. Uh, it's always refreshing to see a receiver when he's 6'5", plays to 6'5", uh, Marcel Aikman. Uh, he, he played to his size. And, um, you know, you see so many times that a guy goes into the league, doesn't play, you know, at his size, but he, he definitely does that. So it was, I really like what I saw from the wide receivers today. Yeah, you mentioned the wide receivers, but – and James Washington, just for, for a second, when you see somebody on TV, you know, it, it's, it doesn't look as fast, right? It looks right. fast, but, you know, you just don't, you don't get a good uh, gauge for how fast he really is and how explosive he is. And here, when they ran the, the, the it was one-on-ones in the play you're talking about, where he was able to stack and then accelerate from deals, like, man, he's really pulling away from him, tracking that ball and not losing speed and was able to hold it for a reception. Definitely. That that's something that I, I know. I made the comparison. I want to say a couple of uh, weeks ago about him being like Chris Chambers, and you see that type of explosiveness. Now we're going to see if he has the sticky glue like hands right. Chambers had. But I thought he was impressive, man. I also like um, MJ Stewart of North Carolina. And a lot of times you you kind of got confused which helmet you were seeing because we were so far away. That's the difference between the Senior Bowl and Shrine Game. Right. We were at the Shrine Game. We would have saw exactly what helmet it was. So we were right there on the field, but. Senior Bowl, you kind of sitting up a little bit. And MJ Stewart of North Carolina, I thought he was like in the hip pockets of these receivers constantly. I just thought he played really well in one-on-one and in the team drills. I just thought that, you know, overall, um, they, they ran the ball well. And, again, you're not really fully tackling these guys. You, you just button up and uh, things of that nature. But I thought we saw some, some good things from uh, Rashad Penny outside of the yes. play where he got popped. But <laughs> I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, 
Yeah, he he got popped that one play, man. But uh, other than that, I thought he did. I thought he did well. Right. And uh, who met him right there in that hole? That that's it. Oh, it was the Auburn cat. It was Auburn, it was Auburn cat. Number thirty, I believe. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a bell ringer there, and that's what you want. You know, you want a guy that's going to go ahead and stop somebody in the hole, and that's what happened there on that play. And I know that Pitty was looking at that like, oh, you know, they don't see that every day in some bills. So, yeah, <laughs> that was, that was a little something different for him. But uh, overall, I think Pitty had a good day. Yeah, he he did, man. I mean, even in one on ones, you know, you look at a guy like. Uh, Brandon Parker of North Carolina A&T. And one-on-ones are clearly set up for yeah. the defensive line to, to excel. Obviously. You know, Obviously. to see him hold his own and, and be able to, to, to maintain and, and not get pushed back into the, the lap of the quarterback or the tackling dummy, I thought was great. Chris, when you look at some of your takeaways, and in the South group, obviously the passing game was, was a question mark. Uh, you're being nice. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to be nice. They won. I'm going to give these guys benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt. They won. What were some of your takeaways? It looked like the quarterbacks that were on this roster, they might not have the pop to the ball that some guys in the past and, and even on the North roster may have. Early on, it looked like they were really trying to aim the ball instead of just throwing it. Uh, the quarterback that seemed to get the most comfortable was out of Virginia, Kurt Benkert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He seemed to actually make some of the better throws of the day. Uh, and good for him. He gained comfort. So we're hoping that it was just a, a jitter situation more than anything else. But uh, it really looked like most of the quarterbacks were aiming the ball instead of literally throwing it. So right. I agree with you. I think a lot of the quarterbacks are trying to be safe, not trying to make the big mistake. Um, you know, you saw a couple guys earlier on, like you said, aiming the football. And as a result, they were leaving the ball short. Um, I mentioned earlier how uh, some of these guys were it looked like they were killing earthworms. They didn't you know, just do it here, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude's throwing a lot of dirt balls out there. Um, but I'm sorry, I wanted to go back to the running backs. One guy that that stood out to me, and I saw him in the bowl game as well, uh, Edo Smith. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to bring him up. Um, there's a little, you can tell he's played a lot of football. You know, there's little things, little subtle things he does in the hole to make sure that he's going against the floor of the defense and he's getting himself out into the second level. He did have a fumble, um, you know, so we're going to bring that up. We're going to talk about that. But at the same time, um, you like a guy that can set up his blocks and is able to get out there in the second level of the defense, and he was able to consistently do that. So I, I like that kid as well. Yeah, I thought also in the one-on-one drills, I came away impressed with the Humboldt State kid. Um, you know, he's a Division two guy, and they – Thank God they got their football program back. That's Alex Kappa. Uh, and I know Duke Mannyweather, who, who is a, a great friend of mine and does a great deal of coaching these offensive linemen, he was the one that, that brought that to everybody's attention. Like, hey, this guy's from Humboldt State. He played at Humboldt State. So that's like me bringing up Tracy Walker last right. week at UL. So I, I get it. Totally get it. But I'm not hating him for it because I, I get it. He got to promote the program. But he was dominant in one-on-one. You know, and that's always what you want to see because he at the Division two level, you're going to get guys like Kappa all the time, right? You're going to get good players. But what you don't see is the consistency of the, the talent that they're going to go up against like you're going to see here. So these FBS guys, these Power 5 guys are used to going up against guys of that caliber down in, down out. He may only see like one guy on his schedule right, all, year. With, all year. So he did well. And I thought, obviously, the quarterback struggled yes. early on. It, it, it was like everyone was – it was clearly obvious that they were having some issues throwing the football. Um, but I thought, you know, Danny Johnson's ball skills, you mentioned Kirk Benkert, Chris. Uh, I thought he – and it was only on deep balls, actually. Right. You know, it was, the intermediate stuff was lacking. 
Right. Everything going deep down the field, he hit him in stride. Deep down the field in the corner. Mm -hmm. So it was like real specific. The, the one question I had, and I was, and I noticed it is, you know, with the NFL being the way it is and how you really have to be technically sound in the, in a game that really doesn't, at a, at a level that doesn't really teach technique anymore. It's all scheme driven. I look at Shaquille Griffin from UCF. You know, obviously we know about his story, but how well can he get off these blocks consistently, reach blocks? If he's going to play on the outside, that's going to be his job. I, I thought that's something that I wanted to see. And, you know, he made a play earlier, but that's that's the biggest question I have. Exactly. And it's actually funny. We were talking about that in the stands when he literally did that right at that moment. And it reminded me of what happened in the bowl game and some other games I saw. He He's able to shed and get through it. It's, it's, almost, <laughs> it's almost hilarious how quick this guy is and that he just can't be blocked in a lot of situations. Um, Again, we all know the story. Same point in time, he just keeps proving that he is a football player, period. Right. He's not going to be denied. Uh, it's, it's almost like, like watching, uh, for instance, you, know, you can always tell the guys that play linebacker that have a wrestling background, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're always able to kind of magically get off a block. You don't quite know how they're doing it, but they're making it happen. And a lot of times what I see out of them is that he's bringing the noise to the linemen. He's initiating that contact. So he's in control right off rip because he's quicker than that person. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he's able to get off of those blocks and those reach blocks. And it's not really a challenge for him. And so I see a guy that, that can play at the next level. You know, if someone can get it out of their mind that, okay, the guy's missing the hand. Okay, fine. But he's a football player. And he's showing you that. And I, I think that that's only going to continue. You don't get this far. Uh, you know, and, and be this successful uh, without being skilled. And I think that he has the skill and the tenacity to do it. Yeah, it's like Jim Abbott. You know, we watched him pitch in the major leagues with, with one arm and really be able to react quickly, pick up a ball that's hit right to the line drive and throw it to first or wherever it needs to be. And he was a uh, – I, I want to say he was a um, – what was I don't want to say all pro, but was uh, – also, yeah. you know, so he, he had a lot. He probably is in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's got in the Hall of Fame because of the way the voting set up right. or whatnot, but definitely was an all-star and a heck of a player. Mm -hmm. uh, with Griffin, one of the things that's interesting, you notice this about offensive tackles. They want to get their hands on you. Right. But he doesn't allow you, not because he won't get near you, because he's willing to go straight to your chest. Right. Mm -hmm. And offensive linemen hate that. Right. They hate being impressed. So he's he very comfortable. Right. Who's, who's a guy on the South team that you guys are interested in seeing tomorrow? So this guy I'm not too familiar with, but he flashed a couple of times today, and I might butcher his name out of USC. Chena Nawasu. Now he did well, actually. That was pretty uh, good. He flashed around the corner a couple of times. I'm like, okay, he had a good first step. I, I didn't pay as much attention to him because I didn't see enough USC games. So I really want to see how he does, especially in some one-on-one -on -one drills. You know what's interesting? I don't know if you guys saw Did you see the USC-Stanford game, I believe that was? Yes. And when they yeah. tried to run on a goal line with Bryce Love, That's he was the one. Okay. He was the one making those plays. Yeah, you know, I did see. Yes, the, the championships. Yeah. Exactly. He okay. was the one making those those stops. Yeah. And okay. what's interesting about him is that uh, you know USC had to be convinced you know that he was their guy <laughs> to offer him a scholarship. It's crazy. It turned out. So. What about you, Brian? Who are you looking forward to seeing? You know what? We talked about him a little bit earlier, and that's DJ Chark. He's mm -hmm. a guy that I, I was not as familiar with coming into this. And um, 
you know, he could be somebody's deep off threat, you know, going forward. The speed, you know, flash instantly. So, um, you know, can he develop himself in terms of those intermediate routes and, and creating that separation going forward? We'll see. And I think he averaged almost 22 yards catch this year. Oh, well, there you have it. I mean, <laughs> let's get the job done. I'm looking at Demontre Wade, uh, Murray State. I talked to him earlier, and he talked about his ball skills. I think you guys are standing right there. He talked about how he played running back at first. And during it, he spoke about the importance of redshirting as he made the transition from running back to cornerback, which is why he has tremendous ball skills. And I want to see him get out there because, you know, I cover the FCS a little bit more in depth because of the broadcasting that right. I do. Right. And seeing, you know, coming out the OVC, you got Tennessee State. We got a pro prospect and Patrick Smith, the wide receiver. They always got uh, Jacksonville State has a guy that's yeah. here in Saran Neal, the uh, corner. So that's a good conference. So I want to see how he does tomorrow. Moving on to the north side of the things, uh, this is the one that everybody was like, this was like must-see TV, right? right? Everybody was focused on the quarterbacks. You had Baker Mayfield, you had Josh Allen, and a bunch of other guys, right? So according to, according to, uh, to everybody else. But, but to be fair, you had other guys like uh, Tanner Lee out of Nebraska, who was a late ad, and you also had Luke Folk out of Washington State. So early impressions, start with you this time, Brandon, of the quarterback position and both of the, of the spotlight players that came into this, this event. Yeah, that's the, the position that everybody came to see. I think that uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, I think he caught a stride late. Uh, he, he came in a little little off off rhythm, you know. Uh, he, he wasn't hitting guys. He was he was late on, on throws, a lot of the, the outbreaking things. He wasn't hitting it on time. And then you could see that he caught his stride as the practice went along. So that's what you want to see. You want to see a guy that can, you know, finish strong. And he definitely did that. Um, I feel like with uh, Josh Allen, it was a little bit of the opposite. And it's kind of more of a mixed bag as well. Um, you, you see a guy with a strong arm. Uh, won't vary things very often. He's, he's very powerful, and everything is going to be 100 miles an hour at all times. He, it doesn't matter if it's a check down. And I saw him on 7-on-7, seven, seven, and me and Chris were talking about this. And he, he just, he, he's so willing to take that check down. It's practice. Let that thing fly. Right. I, I had a coach at one point in time, and I'm not going to say his name, um, but <laughs> but if you're taking the check down like that in practice, he would have he would be at your yard. Like mm -hmm. it, it it would be a problem. Get vertical, man. See what force it downfield. You know, see what what's going to happen. Not force it, but you know what I mean. Try to make a play. Take a chance. Add some color to it just for people yeah. to understand. Yeah. It wasn't a check down to an open guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I'm trying to be cool about it. It was a one on one matchup on the outside. No safety on that side. Right. Definitely throw the 50-50 ball. Instead, he checked it down to a guy who was double covered. Right. Trying to give your guy a chance to make a play. He did. Correct. You know, yeah. that, that was part of the problem on that. But, you know, and, and just from a macro perspective on this, they needed to have split these quarterbacks up. They did. Absolutely. Yeah. I you agree. Know, you, you've got all these guys that are highly talented or people People say these guys are first-round picks. All of them on the same side, you know. You, you should have split this up a little bit better. And with the other two guys, the funny part is just from what I saw today, and we spoke about Tanner Lee being a late ad because of Mason Rudolph's injury. He would have been the best quarterback 
on the opposite roster because he threw nice deep balls today. Right. He mm -hmm. really did. He was just very inconsistent. It, it, he threw a, a great pass to the outside on route to Braxton Berrios, who is an underrated deep ball receiver. Yes. Uh, great play. Literally the next play threw a horrible pick because he looked back inside and missed. And it's like, we see that one thing I'll give him credit on, he's trying to make plays. He's, right. he's not just, you know, going for the check down, not to pick on anyone, but he's trying to make plays and prove points. So, you know, he's clearly being looked at as the third or fourth best quarterback on this roster. Sure. So it would have been easier if one of the two, Allen or Mayfield, was on the other roster, give this guy a chance to play up. And Luke Falk, a guy who, when I've watched him play in the past, he's accurate with no pressure. Right. So who is it? Some guys aren't. But, <laughs> you know, that's the only positive that I could come up with at the time. <laughs> Not to be mean, because we know my favorite coach is up there, Mr. Mike Leach. But it just it wasn't there for him. Guys were doing crossers and one-on-ones, and he just, with no pressure, couldn't hit him. He just he had an off day. So let's see if he can actually become the passer that he should be. Yeah, Luke Falk is like, just he's a box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get out of Luke Falk. You really don't. Yeah, uh, Luke Falk comparison was uh, Mike Lennon. Actually, they 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 don't look the same physically, but they play very similarly. Mitch. Bucks fans and Bears fans, you know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Mayfield's placement was inconsistent in one on ones. Yes. Um, to to your point of him being a little bit behind and things like that, I thought one on ones is where he struggled toward the end. Like you mentioned in team drills, that's when he started to, to have yeah. some success. And a bang that was on. Yeah, it was on point. So like nice. an NFL throw. You know, you want to see him start the day like how he finishes. So that's what I'll be looking for tomorrow. Um, Kellen Bellage yeah, of Arizona State. Let, let's, let's dive into that right quick. Now, his running skills, you know, to be determined. Right. But, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> but in, as a receiver, from a route running perspective, from a, being able to catch the ball away from his body perspective, he looked more natural running routes and catching the ball than he did in team in 907. He actually looks, his footwork as a receiver looked better than some of the wide receivers running routes, which was really interesting, including, and it wasn't fair, but there was a one-on-one -on -one situation <laughs> oh where I'm not going to say the player's name because we don't need to do this, but <laughs> he set him up to the point where the guy fell down. And I, I, I literally feared for the guy's ACL yeah. because it looked I, like I thought, injured. I thought he got I was, shot. I, was, I, thought, I thought he got shot. I thought he got assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> but then everyone went, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, you know, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit after uh, practice. And he does view himself as strictly a running back. Uh, he thinks that he can be – a Le'Veon Bell type, you know, a guy that can split out wide, give you a little bit of wide receiver action. Now, this is the way I view it. Mm -hmm. I view him as more of an H-back type, a guy that can line up at tight end occasionally, uh, to give you some of those same type of routes that he was giving you here during practice. I think he's a guy that can, you know, line up and split back or be an up back at some point. Spell your running back. Mm -hmm. So you're basically able to substitute or change personnel without the substitution. And that's the way that I view Kalen Balaj, but he feels as though he's a running back, strictly. Um, I think that he's hurting his chances of 
being a guy that can't contribute on a down in down out basis uh, because the more hats you wear, you know, the, the more you can do. So I think that he can be one of those types of guys, but he thinks that he's an every down running back. And I think that it's going to come into play with the right coaching staff. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to give some credence to the, what the player thinks of themselves. Absolutely. And if you keep him with the running back group, that's not a problem. That's he is a good number three running back on a team, and that's not an insult. No, no, not sure. at all. Uh, you're on an NFL roster, but also, hey, I want you to learn some of these concepts with this with the tight end group. I want you to do some of this stuff because that's how you stick on a team Absolutely. for a long Job career. Secured. Job mm -hmm. secured. And, and you'll learn that. I mean, like the headstrong as you want guys to not give up on something, but Absolutely. also be willing to, to acquiesce if necessary. Right. Alan Lazard of Iowa State, I thought, is the quintessential example of working through your struggles. Yeah. Early on in practice, one-on-ones, he was struck. He dropped – I felt as though he dropped at least three passes yeah. on consecutively. And I think all of them was from Josh Allen. And it's like, man, like, I know this dude can play. Like, what's going on? Then he slipped and fell on one out route, and I was like, I hope he didn't hurt himself. And it's like, man, he's slipping on routes. He's dropping passes. But then he started to, like, find his rhythm. He was catching things, contested catches. And then in team drill 707, he started to continue to do what we saw him do at Iowa State. So I like how he was able to work through his early right. struggles in one-on-ones and have a very productive day moving forward. That's a guy that's overcome a lot. Uh, you know, when he came into Iowa State, he, he was a guy that we talked about uh, the Oklahoma State kid playing to his size. <laughs> this kid didn't play to his size at all. Right. You know, and, and he caught a lot of flack from that from coaching staff and fans, you know, they were on him about it. Uh, this year he finally played like a big receiver, and you're seeing that continue on uh, right now. So I, I'm hoping for a strong rest of the week for him. And, and similarly, I mean, the great thing is that we get multiple practices from these young men because you know, some people, there are nerves that come into play. There's right. just, you know, you might be in a small funk. Hopefully you can come out of it. So. Definitely looking forward to seeing if it can continue what we saw at the end of practice today into tomorrow. I'm thinking this par level performance will improve. Nathan Shepard of Fort Hayes State was virtually unblockable in one-on-ones. And he's 6'5", 300 pounds, right? Here's the thing. Everyone asks, how good is this kid? But this is what people always don't understand. You're a Division II program, a real good one. That, that conference... You got Northwest Missouri State. You got Pittsburgh State. You got uh, Lindenwood. You know they've had two guys right. in the in, yeah. in the Senior Bowl the last couple of years. Yeah. You have uh, I forget I forget the other team, but that's a really that's a oh line. Missouri Southern with, with uh, Brandon the, the, the D tackle for the Ravens. Um, Brandon uh, something yeah. Williams yeah. from Missouri uh, Southern, the, and you also have uh, David Bass from Missouri Western, the Griffins. You know so. That conference is yes, phenomenal that, that. For, for Division Two, And what the thing is, with, with a guy like him coming from Fort Hayes State, he's he probably got there undersized, probably was always talented, probably got there undersized, grew into his size, but he probably had the same coach for four or five years, right. same technique, same teaching for four to five years. So now he's technically sound in conjunction with his skill set. So now he's the, the guy that you see out there dominating. A lot of people don't realize how valuable that is to have the same coach in your ear for four to five years and you finally grow into your body, which 
coming out of high school made you undersized. That's right. why you didn't go. That's why you weren't recruited. Exactly. You know, so he ends up there and blossoms and grows and is dominant. And I thought he did exceptionally well today. And one other guy, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't if I didn't mention mention mention. Uh, I don't know if he's on the north or south team, but no, he's on he's on the, he's on the north team, and that's Will Hernandez of UTEP. We talked about him earlier, yeah, yeah. but he was outstanding. He was, he was. and you look at UTEP. Uh, Aaron Jones mm-hmm. ran like crazy at UTEP, all time leading rusher, I believe. Will Her- Hernandez, you go back and watch Aaron Jones' film. Hernandez was like standing stand out, stood out this year, stood out today. So those guys I thought did well, and also I know I'm dealing with two receiving offensive talent here. So Deshaun Hamilton of Penn State, yes. I could watch him run routes all day long. Uh, and, and that's a guy that I want to focus on more tomorrow. Uh, actually, unable to get an interview with him earlier. There was a lot of going on there. <laughs> that um, media day was set up yeah, like yeah, not, yeah. not so well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good yeah. job, good idea. It, it wasn't anything with the players. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't not them. Uh, but didn't get the interview. Yeah, this guy consistently, look, there's portions to receivers' games that are strong, you know, and ways for them to win, whether it's having body control at the end when the ball's getting there whether it's in the route running as far as being able to separate and make a DB switch his hips. And there's also the takeoff, your footwork at the, the initial point. This guy has all three. And having that, it supersedes anything that has to do with your size or your weight or your 40 time. But he has a good combination of this, and that's going to make him a high-level receiver if given the opportunity to be so. Yeah, I think he's, a, he's an outstanding player. I think he's going to be awesome in the NFL because what I think that he does well is that his releases off the line of scrimmage are so great that he makes it easy on himself mm-hmm. at the end. So I think that he's going to be he's going to be a part-time playmaker. I think he's underrated. Nobody's really talking about He's right. very underrated, dude. Like his route running, it was, again, in one-on-one, he was setting guys up, getting off, like snapping off his route and working his way back open. He was just phenomenal. I thought like man, and again, I saw him last week at the Shrine game. So I, I've seen him a lot. I saw him at the Maryland when I was at the Maryland game, and I was like, "Yo, he yeah, he's playing in the slot, but he can play on the outside too because Absolutely. of how he's able to work himself open." I think he's the the quintessential sleeper in this class coming from a big school. Yes, no, do yourself a favor. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm saying do yourself a favor. Check out one of the games. You know, Penn State games will be replayed on different places. Check out the games and just look at him and how he runs routes. Especially with that Rose Bowl and what he did to a DB on Washington. I don't remember the young man, but basically made him turn around. Mm-hmm. Uh, made him spin around because of the route and the release that he had. But Right. And another guy, we, we brought him up earlier, Braxton Berrios. Yeah. We can't sleep on him as far as being on the outside, you know, as our outside receiver. See, short. So but he, there's two things working against him. He's short, <laughs> he's white. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, automatically people think he's slot receiver, right? right. Mm-hmm. Most effective on the outside. Correct. You know, uh, he, he, he's leaping over top of guys. So whatever it takes to get open on the outside, leave him out there. Leave him out there. The game is simpler for him out there. He's not really a slot guy. And he was, and he's super smart. I was at the, the Campbell presentation with Hell semifinalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are the smartest student athletes in the country. Mm-hmm. And he was in the mix as well. And he didn't he didn't win. Mike, Michael, uh, Michael Kaiser won the award, the Campbell Trophy. Um, but he, again, so he's smart, he's dynamic, he's explosive. He's a really good player. Uh, 
we got some Twitter questions before we get out of here. And this one comes from Eric Sapinski. Hope I pronounced your name correctly at E Sapinski 2. I saw a variety of takes on Mayfield's arm strength, ball velocity, especially to the boundaries. What's your take from watching him today? I'll say this. He has an NFL level arm. See, people don't understand this. You don't have to throw a ball as hard as you can at a target. You right. need to be able to make the throws that are necessary and have a scheme that's fit to you. He actually made the best NFL caliber throw of the entire day on that yeah. main route. He wasn't the strongest armed guy there, probably Josh Allen, but Baker Mayfield understands how to regulate his speeds, knows when to throw a proper ball. So I think he'll be completely fine on the next level. I totally agree with that. Uh, did he have a couple passes where the ball died on him? I, I believe so. You know, I, I did see that. But at the same time, um, you know, he, he knows when to throw you know, a, a bullet and he knows when to take some off of it. So, and he has enough arm strength to where if he's late on something, he can still get it there. So that's what I like about Baker. Yeah, we saw that play out this past weekend in the AFC yeah. championship game yeah. with Blake Bortles. You know, he had the right read. He just didn't make the right throw. Yeah. It was a late throw yeah. with no arm strength. So, exactly. yeah, I think Mayfield, again, the one-on-ones with placement, tight window throws. We mm -hmm. saw that in that, that uh, playoff game against Georgia. Right. Kind of hesitant to make that throw. A guy has to be wide open for him to throw it. So we'll see how this works itself out. I still have a wait-and-see approach. Now, I still haven't broken down the film. But just all viewing today, just to answer this guy's question, is that that's what my, you know, the tight window throws I saw some issues with, and that was in one-on-ones. Mm -hmm. But in team, you know, when you where you have those moving windows, some may be big, some may be small. That's what I thought he he was able to excel. I feel like we answered uh, at Brown Buckeye's question. He was like, can you please give us a breakdown on Kellen Balage? What do you think he goes in draft, and how does he project? We, we I think yeah. we answered that. I mean, where one. does he go, though? Where, where do you think, you know? I guess, as far as Honestly, depending on where he goes, yeah. he'll probably be a day three pick. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, getting drafted, period, the main portion is if you're not going to go in the first round or whatnot, go into a team that's going to utilize your skill set. I'd like, to, like him to go to a place where they're going to use him as a receiving option. Also give him a carry or two if necessary. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't mean one or two, but give him some carries. But the main thing is he is so effective as a route runner and a pass catcher Absolutely. where you have to use that matchup nightmare that he can be on the next level. So show me a linebacker to that team. Right. Show me a linebacker that's gonna cover him. There's not. He kind of reminds me of Charles Clay. Right. Didn't Charles Clay carry the football at yeah, Tulsa? Yeah, he, uh, he, he was a running back. He was a running back. So exactly. So to me, that for based off what I saw today, he's a faster Charles Clay. Bingo. Yeah. I mean he was so fluid. You don't see running backs yes. that can run routes like right that. Right you know what I'm saying? Right. And right. Charles Clay did I remember he carried a rocket at yeah. Tulsa. Um, and he was a fullback because of his size, mm -hmm. and then was moved to tight end. So you're seeing a similar play. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where he can be. And this one is coming from at the real dance. I think we answered this. Our thoughts on Will Hernandez from UTEP. Right. Um, next question at Ivy Bolts fan seven sixty. Which quarterback, if any, impressed more? I think we talked about Baker Mayfield yeah. being the, the the guy of the the day. And this one comes from at Balls, Tim, Tim Evans. How has Rashad Penny looked so far? I think Rashad Penny has looked explosive, and Rashad Penny is one of those guys that, you know, you have your guys who are in the mix for first rounder. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is the clinical class of the running back group. But Penny could easily go in the first round. I'd have zero problems with it. Penny is a complete back mm -hmm. who should be paid more attention to 
than he is. Uh, he's likely going to go in the second or third round, in my opinion, just the way that the draft is currently set up. But if he went first round, I'd be perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that. I mean, he's clearly, in my opinion, in terms of footwork, his ability to set up his blocks, definitely. Yeah, every time I look at a San Diego State game, or every time I look up, or a San Diego State game is on, he has like an 80-yard touchdown. Right. Yep. Like those, like you guys are way faster than I was. So you guys can speak to this probably better than I could, but 80-yard runs are hard to accomplish. Oh, yep. Like Because a lot has to happen for you to rip off that long of a run. He consistently do uh, does it. Consistently does it. Right. And you also know the difference between a guy that returns kicks as opposed to a guy that returns punts. Right. Punts, you don't have to be fast. Hell, I return punts. Kickoffs, you have to be fast. And he returned kickoffs at San Diego State. So, yeah, he's looked good. Um, I, I think he's one of the best running backs in his draft class. And this one comes from at Rock Steel, Armsteed, Armsteel Rocks. I uh, asked a question, are they using Marquise Haynes as a pass rusher or an off-ball linebacker? He was in one-on-ones yeah. as a defensive end, edge rusher type guy, you know. And I made the comments to you guys every time I look up at an old Miss game, he's making a play or popping somebody. Right. So they have a more, I guess, from what I saw, I didn't see a lot. But from when I took a quick gander over at one-on-ones, he was in that drill. So I think they have him as an edge rusher. Which is great. You don't try to change a guy. If a guy's making plays and doing things in a certain aspect, you don't just change him because of his size. Exactly. Man, that's what so many people fail to understand. The size doesn't mean nothing. What what does he do best? Take size out of it. And you know, that's what the best coaches are able to do. I mean, Aaron Donald clearly has been a failure at his size in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. Tariq Cohen was all pro, but <laughs> five, six, dude. Like I don't know. But that's it for this podcast, man. I mean, uh Again, we this was a pretty interesting day. We saw a lot of different things. We talked to a lot of guys interview-wise, so we got those interviews coming down the pike. Uh, follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9. Brandon at BHoward underscore 81. Also follow his work at Sports Talk Florida. Chris is with Football Game Plan. I'm Emory Hunt. the Playbook. This has been the post-practice powwow podcast, day one of the Senior Bowl, and we will catch you guys tomorrow. Hopefully we have a little bit more.